You are listening to episode number 101 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, and today's episode is 100 Lessons Learned in Self-Care, part two. Welcome to the Self-Care Sunday podcast. If you're new here, my name is Kaylee, and I started this show after experiencing intense burnout from my first startup a few years ago and wanted this podcast to be an outlet for kind of rediscovering my relationship with self-care, talking about all things mental health, entrepreneurship, relationships, and social media, and how self-care intertwines into all of those aspects of our lives. Today's episode is 100 Lessons Learned in Self-Care, Part 2, Relationships and Friendships. If you haven't already listened to Part 1, I suggest you go back and listen. I shared basically the general lessons learned in terms of mental health, my relationship with myself, but I also wanted to do two parts that were related more specifically to different aspects of my life. So today's lessons learned are all about relationships and friendships, and the next episode, the final episode in this series, are lessons learned in business. If you're a subscriber, you'll know that I took a bit of a hiatus from the podcast, and I will be sharing everything that's been going on in my life over the past few months in a life update episode coming out soon, but I wanted to continue and finish this series prior to jumping into the new chapter of Self-Care Sunday, which I'm very excited for. So with that being said, let's get into it. Number 34 is that friends are not your competition. And this is something that I struggled with a lot when I was younger, and I still do to some extent. I think that I pit myself against and compare myself to people I see on social media, my friends. It's unhealthy, honestly, and a bit of a toxic trait that I think I have. And it stems from this insecurity of feeling like I'm not good enough and wanting to be the best. But what I've learned over the past, I would say two years specifically, is that we can all win. The success of someone else does not determine your own success and the best way to get to the place that you want to be is to surround yourself with people that are doing the things that you want to be doing people that are ahead of you, people that you look up to, and by surrounding yourself with these people and by shifting your mindset to a collaborative one versus a competitive one, it is so much easier to reach your goals for success. I've been friends with people that I didn't really also realize at the time saw me as competition and it bred a lot of jealousy in our friendship and in our relationship and ultimately led to that friendship not working out. So I've experienced kind of both ends of it, and I think a question to ask yourself if you feel in competition with your friends or your inner circle, like why do you feel in competition with those people? Is it an internal issue or is it an external issue? Is the friendship a healthy one or is there aspects or elements of that friendship that are negative and are making you feel insecure? I think evaluating our friendships and asking ourselves these questions is something we don't always talk about, right? Sometimes we have that friend that we feel really jealous of or that friend that we're kind of combative with and we just go along with the friendship because you've been friends, you don't want to cause conflict in ending that relationship, but sometimes it's healthier to do so. Number 35 is one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou. Oprah talks about this a lot on her podcast too, which is, 
If someone tells you who they are, believe them the first time. If someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. I think in relationships, I've come into these experiences where someone will tell me they're not ready for a relationship or they will show with their behavior the way that they view our relationship and do something disrespectful or do something that is not aligned with how I want that relationship to be. What I love about this quote is really just like taking people at their face value and not trying to make excuses for people of why they're acting that way, but believing them, believing their actions and deciding what action you want to take within your friendship or relationship with this person based on what they've shown you and based on how they've told you who they are. It's easy to get into the mode of wanting to fix people. I've done that and tried that a million times. You can't fix people. What you can do is believe who they are. You can support them. You can keep them in your life with boundaries but you can't fix them. Number 36 is that if you have a relationship with your family, don't take it for granted. And this is mostly a reminder to myself. In my teens, early 20s, I didn't have the closest relationship with my family, and I actually moved across the country at 18 to go to university. I flew home like once or twice a year to visit my family, and I realized after seven years of living so far away and growing into adulthood, how much I actually really valued and treasured the relationships with my cousins, my parents, my siblings, and that not everybody has that. And so if you are one of the lucky people that does have that, try not to take it for granted. Number 37 is that MLMs can ruin friendships. And this is something I will get into in a future episode dedicated specifically to MLMs and the mentality, the manipulation, and the way that they can affect our friendships. Um, but unfortunately, from personal experience, I've had a friendship end, and I would say it was more like a breakup, a relationship breakup, that left me feeling incredibly hurt, and the root of that friendship breakup was a value disconnect between myself and the other person. That person, who I considered my best friend, was involved with an MLM, and I did not support that, and because I did not support the principles of that business model, the friendship came to an end. And this leads into number 38, which is that common values are really the key to a long-lasting friendship or relationship. And I think you can be friends with people that you have fun with, you can be friends with people at work, you can have relationships that are more surface level and not necessarily going to be there for the long haul, but those long-lasting friendships are always built on common values. Values being the common denominator of how you communicate with each other, the way that you see the world, and the values that you have that lead the decisions in your everyday lives. And so when you're entering a relationship with someone, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, I think figuring out those key values and what that person really values in their life is an important piece to understanding how they can fit into yours. Number 39 is to ask yourself this question in relationships. Does this person make you want to be the best version of yourself? Because if you're with someone who doesn't make you want to be a better person and doesn't make you want to improve yourself and improve your well-being, 
the relationship is likely to become dull or unhealthy. And I'll get into this later in this episode, but I think the relationship that you have with yourself is the most important one. And so if you are in a toxic relationship or with someone that drags you down and doesn't want you to excel and doesn't propel you to be the best version of yourself, then it's probably time to let go of that relationship for your own mental health and self-care. Number 40 is don't start a business with your significant other or your best friend. This is maybe a controversial one. I have firsthand experience starting a business with my boyfriend at the time. We broke up shortly after creating the business together and ended up working together in what I would consider a really toxic working relationship for three years after that. It was a lesson that is now ingrained in me and it's not that I don't think these working relationships can can work, but there are so many factors that go into creating a healthy working relationship that if your initial relationship with that person, whether it's romantic or a friendship, is not there for the long haul, starting a business together or a project together is almost bound to fail. This goes for best friends too. I think it's really dangerous to mix business and pleasure if business comes after the relationship because people work in different ways than they are in their relationships. You could be absolutely best friends, you could be super in love with this person, but when it comes to making business decisions, are your values aligned? Starting a business is really stressful (laughs) and this is just one thing that I personally would never do again, but I know people who have made it work and I think the examples that I've seen make it work are people who are in very long-term serious relationships who then start a business together and they know each other so well, they know the ins and the outs that they're able to build something off of that personal relationship into the professional. But personally, it's not a road that I would go down again. That leads into number 41, which is try not to blur the lines between professional and personal relationships and that it's actually okay to set boundaries with people in your life so that these things don't cross over too much. I think this is especially hard over the past year with remote work and boundaries in general between business and personal being meshed and blended because our work is now it's followed us home for the most part and it's a lot harder to separate, but it is important in my opinion to create those boundaries and those distinctions between professional and personal relationships and not let professional relationships consume your life or vice versa. Number 42 is that it's a lot easier to recognize that a relationship is toxic than it is to actually do something about it. So for example, if you see a friend in a toxic relationship, it's really easy to spot, but when you are actually in that situation, it's very difficult to take action and leave. And you might know that you are not in a healthy situation, but from personal experience, being in a toxic relationship with a narcissist, you're put in a position that is very difficult. And I think this goes back to my my need to fix people and things and situations. If you're a fixer, oftentimes you will settle for a toxic relationship because you see the potential and you see what it could be and you don't want to 
sacrifice everything for something that you think can make better. But as difficult as those decisions can be, as someone who's now on the other end of it and has not been in a toxic relationship for years and years, I would just say that it does get better and that there are situations that you will feel yourself feeling so much more at ease and comfort if you do take action to leave a bad relationship because there is people out there that will treat you with the respect and the love and the empathy that you need and that you deserve. Number 43 is something that I actually wrote down in my journal probably six years ago when I was in the midst of a relationship that I knew was so toxic, but I, at the time, felt like I couldn't leave for a number of reasons. And what I wrote in my journal was that if your partner tells you what you can or can't wear, how to do your hair, who you can talk to or where you can go, leave them. And I remember these things all happening to me at the time that I was writing and as I was writing them out on paper and actually vocalizing and verbalizing the things that were happening in my relationship, I was able to almost separate myself from it and I thought, oh my gosh, like if my friend told me that her boyfriend wouldn't let her wear something or told her that she couldn't do her hair like that, I would be incredibly concerned and I would want them to leave. But when I was in that situation, it was so difficult for me to make that decision. And when I finally did, my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. So not to get too dark and talk too much about toxic relationships, but it is something that really formed the way that I view relationships in general now, and I think it's an experience that taught me how to better value myself when it comes to healthy relationships. Now, all of that being said, I think being young, it's easier to get drawn into a toxic relationship because when I was young, I really prioritized boys over friends. And this leads into number 44, which is to not prioritize your relationships over your friendships. When I was younger, I did that over and over and over again. I was a serial dater. I always had a boyfriend. I was always crushing on a boy, always in a relationship. And I honestly very rarely put my friends first. And I realized that after the fact that I don't actually have any strong friendships from high school or from university, maybe one, but these different phases of my life, I always chose the relationship with the guy that I was seeing over investing in long-term friendships. And that's something that I wish that I would have thought about more in the moment. The reality is that I didn't end up with any of the guys that I invested so much of my time and energy into. And I think the takeaway from all of that was to not take your friends for granted or push them aside because you're in a new relationship. Because at the end of the day, your strong friendships will be the ones who are picking you up from the bathroom of a bar when you're crying over the fact that it didn't work out with that boy. Number 45 is taking a page out of Serena Kerrigan's book, which is, if it's not a f yes, it's a no. If you're constantly wondering, second-guessing, or doubting, it's a no. If you're 100% invested in someone and they're only invested at 50%, it's a no. Which leads me to 46 don't pine after someone who doesn't want to be with you. A lot of times I've made up this idealized version in my head of someone who I wanted to be with and they didn't necessarily want the same. And I had this constant in my head of 
if only they wanted to date me, or what if they actually changed their mind down the road and they realized that I'm the one that they wanted, but none of it was real. And creating fantasies of what you wish the outcome of a situation was is unhealthy. And so now I ask myself, do I actually want this person or do I just like the idea of them? Number 47 is maybe controversial, but texting styles is a relationship maker or breaker. I know it sounds dramatic, but like, especially during the pandemic, when we're not able to see people in person, the way that you can communicate with your friends or your relationships if you're not living together is by text, by DM, snap, memes. And if the person that you're seeing doesn't have the same communication style as you, it's not going to work. I spend the majority of my life right now working or on a screen and speaking the same text language, I swear, is as important as your communication style in person with someone. When you're in that beginning relationship phase, I've found that it really can be a deal breaker with someone. I was seeing this guy last year who was honestly perfect on paper, like had a great job, owned his own house, was older, very handsome, super sweet, just really an amazing guy. And the only thing that was wrong was that we had completely different texting styles and didn't think the same memes were funny, which sounds so minuscule, but honestly, when you think, okay, I'm going to be sending memes to this person for the rest of my life, you need to be on the same page with what kind of memes you think are funny or like, how often does this person like to text? Are they a good morning text person? Do they like to text 24-7? I don't know, maybe this is the Gen Z in me coming out, but your communication style plays into your texting style and communication is key in a relationship. So I've learned that texting styles can really be a make or break. Number 48 is that telling people you care about them is underrated. Write a love letter, pick up the phone, text them randomly even though you haven't spoken in weeks just make it known because you never know what might happen to that person or what might happen to you and i've had times that i regretted not saying something sooner 50 i'm a hopeless romantic but i love one thing that i heard on the goop podcast i think it was an interview with dax shepherd talking about his relationship with his wife kristen bell and he said, I didn't find the one, I found someone I respected and made it the one. And I believe that relationships are one-third the right person, one-third the right timing, and one-third making it work. So putting in the effort, compromising if and when you need to, and choosing that person over and over again every single day and that quote from that podcast has always stuck with me. Number 51, just because a relationship is work, it shouldn't feel hard. It should feel right, like a dream job that you love, you wouldn't want to do anything else, but it's still effort, it's still work, and there's going to be little things about it that you don't necessarily love, but you accept for the bigger picture because it's what you want. Number 52 is short and sweet, but maybe one of the most important, trust your gut. When it comes to relationships, 
your gut oftentimes will tell you the green flags, the red flags, trust it. Number 53, if they are not supportive of your goals, they are not the one. There is so much I could say on this, but I think the main thing is recognizing that the right person is going to want to see you succeed. And if they are in any way holding you back from the things that you want to be doing, it is maybe a relationship that you need to reevaluate and ask yourself what value it is adding to your life. And this ties into number 54, which is that I believe a relationship should be an addition to your life. It should bring you value and not just comfort when you're lonely. I like the analogy of two cups of water. And when you have two half cups, you can fill one into the other to make it full. But then that cup that you just used to fill up the other cup is now empty. So rather than seeing a relationship as two 50% coming together to make 100%, what if you had two glasses that were already full and now when they're pouring into each other, it is overflowing? And that's the type of relationship that I would want in my life rather than sacrificing your own energy and effort for someone else to complete a relationship You are both coming into a relationship from a really healthy place and you're only adding value to each other and the relationship is an addition to your life rather than just something that is maybe comfortable or helping you feel more full at that moment. Number 55 is that it's okay to outgrow people in your circle your friends, your relationships, and in fact, I might be worried if I was not outgrowing anybody because then it would mean that I am not evolving and changing as a person. And as you change and as you grow and learn new things about yourself and become more self-aware, if the people in your life are going to be pulling and holding you back, then it's maybe time to look for some new additions to your circle that can continue to lift you up. Number 56 is one that I've struggled with. Just because they're posting their relationship on social media doesn't mean that they're happy. I think a lot of times people actually post things on social media to make up for something else and I struggled with this a lot. In college actually, I had an ex-boyfriend who moved on from our relationship after we broke up and was posting about him and his girlfriend all of the time. And I felt A, so jealous and B, this insecurity of like, why don't I have that? Like, why are they so happy? And I'm sitting here by myself alone. And what I realized after the fact was that it actually wasn't the most happy relationship and that what you see on social media is just not always representative and reflective of what is happening in real life. Number 57 is a really simple one, but something that I've learned when it comes to looking for a new partner or getting into a new relationship. What's on the outside is not as important as what's on the inside. It is so cliche, but looks fade. (laughs) And the ability to make you laugh I think is so much more important in a relationship. So rather than finding someone who on the surface looks perfect or checks all of the X, Y, and Z boxes that you might have laid out in your head, look for someone that brings true joy to your life and 
is someone who makes you smile and makes you laugh and that you want to be around. Number 58 kind of ties into that, which is don't settle for what is right in front of you. Just because a relationship is convenient or easy doesn't mean that it's right. Just because someone is in your life and they have been for a long time doesn't mean that they need to be going forward. Number 59, sex is important. Someone could check all of the boxes, but you need to also have like physical chemistry and attraction. And I think some of that can be learned and communicated with a partner if you're not enjoying yourself in bed, but other times... Some people are just like not compatible sexually and it could just be because you like different things and that's okay, but I think it's important to kind of figure that out in the beginning and sometimes it takes a few partners to actually understand exactly what makes you happy and what not to settle for and what you should be communicating more of. Number 60, there is no shame in sleeping with someone on the first date. It does not dictate how the relationship will unfold. It is a stigma that I think we need to talk more about. There is still a lot of negative connotation with giving yourself up too soon or uh, waiting for the right time or making a guy wait, but the right person is not going to leave you (laughs) after you hook up once. And I'm not saying that you should, or shouldn't sleep with someone on the first date. I'm not saying what the right thing to do is. I'm just saying that we should remove the shame from making those decisions as adults and also know that if somebody treats you poorly or is disrespectful after sleeping with you or hooking up with you, that's not your fault. Number 61 is that if they wanted to, they would. If they wanted to date you, if they wanted to take you out or text you or ask you to hang out, they would. Stop making excuses for someone who is not willing to put in the effort for you. Now on the flip side of that, anyone with anxiety can maybe relate to this, which is, I want to, but I don't. And so I've seen this on TikTok, which is like, even if they wanted to, they might not. You know, you might want to text someone, but you don't want to come across as needy. You might want to date someone, but you're afraid of rejection or being hurt. You might want to take these actions, but your own anxious mind is holding you back because you can't get over these worst case scenarios that manifest in your head, which keep you from doing the things that you actually want to do. And so why I bring this up is not to say that this is an excuse for people who maybe are not taking action within a relationship or not giving you what you deserve, but that this concept kind of goes both ways. And honestly, the best thing that you can do is 63, communicate. Over-communicate. If you don't know how someone is feeling about you, The only way you're going to know is if you ask them. The only way to understand the relationship that you have with someone is to have these conversations. But at the end of the day, number 64, don't waste your time waiting around for someone or for the potential or the idea of someone. 
which reminds me of Hilary Duff's line in a Cinderella story, waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought, useless and disappointing. Something that reminds me of is in the mental health world, like you cannot get better until you accept and decide that you want help. And when it comes to relationships, a lot of people are distant and put up barriers because they are afraid to be vulnerable with other people and they're afraid to be hurt ultimately. And you can't fix someone, you can't change the way that they view relationships or the relationship that they have with themselves. You can only choose how you react or choose your actions in relationships and decide for yourself who you think is worth sticking around for and who is someone that you maybe need to cut out of your life. Number 65 is to set boundaries and stick to them. If someone is leading you on or acting in a toxic way or disrespecting you, if you continue to tolerate it, they will continue to do that action. And I think a lot of times people get away with bad behavior because no one calls them out on it. And if you're on the receiving end, that person just continues to do those things because you've silently told them that you are okay with those actions being taken to you. So set your boundaries, communicate those boundaries to the people in your life, and don't falter when it comes to those boundaries. Because if you continue to tolerate, then you will continue to allow those negative and toxic behaviors and relationships into your life. And finally, number 66. This one I think is the biggest lesson that I've learned when it comes to relationships. And that is that the most important relationship you can work on is the relationship with yourself. You spend more time with yourself than with anyone else. You will always be there for you through friendships that come and go, through heartbreak, through big life changes, you are the only one that knows you like you do. You are the only one that's been through it all with you, so you better foster that relationship and make it a positive one because the way you treat yourself sets the standard for how others treat you. Every other relationship in your life starts with you, so if you haven't already, Start treating yourself and your body with the respect and with the love that you deserve. That's all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and supporting. Make sure to take a screenshot, share it on Instagram and tag at selfcaresunday or leave a five-star review. It helps new people find the podcast. And until next time, happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone. <laughs>